This is the Dynasty War Zone, the People's Dynasty Podcast, and here are your hosts, Memphis at DFF Memphis and Jerry at Jerry Sin DFF. What's happening, guys? Happy Wednesday, and welcome to the regular edition. After a bonus edition on Tuesday, talking about where there's smoke and fire and uh, my listener league. But you are listening to the Dynasty War Zone, the People's Dynasty podcast. And joining me, as always, he is the man of the hour. He is the man with the power. Jerry Sinclair. Jerry, what's going on? Randy, two podcasts this week. Maybe well, a little go- Patreon later. A little, uh, a little something, I'm something. Li- I'm like a, a kid on Christmas, my friend. Like a kid on Christmas. Well, um, not going to have a whole bunch of news because we covered all that in the bonus edition yesterday. So if you're not a normal subscriber, you just remember to download every Wednesday. First of all, thank you. And But if you subscribe, you wouldn't have missed yesterday's bonus. So go back into your podcast queue and download yesterday's bonus. We had a lot of fun with that. But tonight we have two amazing guests with us. And they're going to help us break down the AFC North with some of the hottest teams in Dynasty right now. So, first guest tonight, he's been on the show before. Um, he's an old Dynasty football factorier from way back in the day. But it's James Catulus. James is the co-host of the Superflex Super Show, uh, along with his co-host, John Hogue. And as well as a writer for the DLF. James is one of those dudes like Randy that I, has been around... Since I started being on Twitter and just an awesome dude. So this is actually our first time in reacting. I'm excited. This is a good day. And I get to hear the passion. You guys all got to hear the passion of me complain about the Lions last week. These guys are probably not going to complain about their teams because it hasn't sucked the soul from them like the Lions have me. So uh, I'm excited for the AFC North. All right. wait, wait a minute, though, Jerry. Wait a minute. Because, because as a Browns fan, a long-suffering Browns fan, I can tell you, the passion of the Browns fan is, uh, is I mean, there's some plight there. Don't worry. But, but how excited are you right now? Cautiously optimistic. <laughs> okay, okay. you do have some Lions fan in you then. Mm-hmm. I did, mm-hmm. we, are, we are similar in that aspect. <laughs> it's your thing. And also returning to the show for another visit is Shane P. Hallam. You know Shane from all things at fakepigskin.com. You know, he's their NFL you know, coverage guy, the NCAA guy, the Devi guy, the Dynasty guy, the redraft guy. If they're talking football at fakepigskin.com, Shane covers it. Shane and I are also in a league together, the legendary Too Legit Not To Be Lit League. Shane, welcome back to the Dynasty Warzone, sir. Hey, I'm, I'm happy to be back. It's exciting, and I, I don't usually get to talk uh, talk Steelers, my hometown team. So born, raised, living in Pittsburgh, I'm, I'm pumped for that. It'll be fun. Yeah, absolutely. So we're going to break down the, the AFC North similarly to what we did last year with uh, last year, well, last year and last week with Seth and Dan, respectively, respectively from their podcast. But before we get into all that, it is the season. It is the season for the Scott Fish Bowl. So big shout out to Scott Fish, the legendary Scott Fish Bowl. You can follow Scott on Twitter at ScottFish24. Uh, he does this every year. This year's league is up to 1,200 players, up from like 920 last year. Jerry, is that right, 920? Sounds about right. Something like that. I don't know if that math's out by 12, but if it does, it's what it was. It was 900 plus, and they raised over $44,000 to donate to things like hurricane relief. Most of the money, like the lion's share, goes to Toys for Tots to make sure little kids 
whose family can't afford them or in a situation to where they can't get gifts. They donate to that. They put some coats on some kids' backs. At the end of the day, if uh, we were nominating the people in the dynasty and fantasy community for sainthood, I think St. Scott would be the first one. So I'm going to go around the horn with our guests. This year's theme is video games. Last year's uh, theme was TV shows. Last year I was in the Al Bundy division. Um, but I'm going to start with Shane. Shane, what division are you in this year? And uh, where what, what draft slot did you get? I am in the Chrono division. So Chrono Trigger, uh, one of my favorite RPGs of all time uh, for, for the Super Nintendo. Uh, actually, I helped uh, Scott with the divisions and, and coming up with all the video game characters. So definitely one of my other passions that I, I don't put out there too much. But uh, I'm picking fifth, which... I'm excited about it's not not the big four running backs. Perhaps maybe someone. There's always a couple off the wall picks, so I'm hoping maybe one of those four guys falls to me. But if not, I got some plans. So it's exciting. I've actually been uh, in the quote unquote Scott Fishbowl since since the beginning when it was the FF Oasis Invitational um, in 2013. So um, I, I'm, I'm excited to keep it going this year. Absolutely. So you have a draft strategy at 105. You said you're not going to get one of the big four running backs. So uh, I know a lot of people, and I'll cover my reason why in just a second. A lot of people are starting to t- you know talk tight ends high based on the scoring format. Well, who are you targeting there at 105? I'm assuming those four running backs go. I'm probably going to take David Johnson. Uh, that's, that's probably going to be my pick. I think I'm going to go for the volume and upside of that offense. Um, I, yeah, like tight end premium is great. Um, but I think there's some guys later I can get. And then don't forget about the quarterback, you know, having super flex, having these, uh, these bonuses, I think is intriguing. You know, I did some mocks. I think some people new to the system didn't really understand the, the super flex uh, aspect of it. So I got Patrick Mahomes in the second, that's not going to happen in the real Scott Fishbowl. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, I think David Johnson get a, get quarterbacks early. I got a little strategy for that. going to go for those. Uh, rushing quarterbacks, I think, with the bonus this year is going to be very 50 rushing yards gets you five bonus points. So uh, I think that's the way to go um, this this year. Give me all the Josh Allen and the Scott Fishbowl, but I will say this: good friend of mine, and and I think everybody here knows Addison Hayes, a fellow Pittsburgh Steeler fan, by the way, at Amaze Hayes underscore on Twitter. He is the uh, the head guy over at FF Statistics, and he does a thing. You can go to FF Statistics, and for a one dollar donation, he has created a pretty sweet um, draft guide for the Scott Fishbowl based on the scoring. Um, it comes to you via Excel once you pay your dollar. And if you just want to, you know, donate that dollar, uh, Addison and the team turns that over and that gets you something. And that, that's what I use. And I last year, so the Scott Fishbowl champion is crowned after week 16. I made it all the way through till week 15. I lost a good friend of the show, Sal Lito, in the, uh, the, the conference finals of the, the 90s TV series. And Sal went on to represent. But uh, I, I really attribute Addie's draft sheet as a big thing because you really don't know what these guys can do and I mentioned earlier like the overdrafting of tight ends I think people will just assume uh Travis Kelsey would be a top five pick he's really not but I'm not going to ruin the surprise go buy that dollar spreadsheet from Addy uh he's not profiting from it he is going to donate that money to fantasycares.net and I'm gonna go to James James what division you are are you in and what pick did you get yeah I am in uh, I got the Peter Pepper division, um, and I got 1.03. Uh, so it was interesting, Shane, talking about uh, getting one of those top four running backs because I'm in a nice spot there 
I believe, to get one of those three. Now, the interesting part is, is I'm going to have to choose from at least two of them. And that's that's kind of the difficult part for me because I've been kind of going back and forth. But, um, Randy, real quick to add to what you said, you were absolutely right. Addison, Addison Hayes and those guys over at FF Statistics do an awesome job with that sheet. For a $1 donation, having that is such an advantage. Um, and also, the, the, the gentleman who won it, my uh, – one of my esteemed co-hosts uh, for the Superflex Super Show, and that would be uh, Stompy Sam Lane at FF underscore Stompy. He can be found at on Twitter. He actually is over at FF Statistics, so um, you kind of get some some privileged information from the guy who won it last year too. So that's always kind of kind of a, a thing that I always look at, going, "Oh, I can I can get that." But um, but yeah, the one point oh three is really interesting, though, Randy. Um, I'm interested. I, I you know if we have time, I'd really like to pick your guys' brains, and you guys let me know. Um, what you guys think you might do there, because I think Barkley's probably gone. I think we can kind of, uh, kind of decide that that's probably, uh, probably going to happen with, if not the 1.01, then the 1.02. Um, but, but is there somebody else that you guys would hope would fall there or how would you guys approach that 1.03? Uh, Jerry or Shane, either one of you guys want to jump in first? I would be hoping it would be Christian McCaffrey just because I don't know what is going to happen with this Z situation. While I don't think he's going to be suspended, I have been wrong before. Roger Goodell is an unpredictable man. Uh, so I, I would just like the workhorse that is Christian McCaffrey. You know, I mean, Alvin Kamara's in there. Zeke's in there. I, I'm just, a, from my personal perspective, I like Christian McCaffrey. And if I got him at three, I would be ecstatic. I, I, yeah. I'm i the same. Go ahead, Shane. Yeah, I, I, know, I agree, too. I, I think if McCaffrey's there, if he goes at two, I think I'd probably lean Kamara uh, just for the better offense, right, just for the, the more scoring opportunities, bigger numbers. Uh, I actually really like Alvin Kamara this year with Ingram gone. I know Latavius Murray's there, but uh, it, it'll be a tough choice for you, James, man. <laughs> I mean, 103, that, that's, that's, sometimes you kind of want that 104, so you don't even have to pick. You can just take who's left. Yeah, yeah, the pressure's off at that point. You know, you just made the no-brainer pick that everybody would have made, you know, at that at that spot. So, um so yeah, this comes with a little bit of pressure, you know, you kind of have to nail it, but uh but yeah, I'm 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 really grateful to be in again. And again, Randy, I I don't want to echo everything that you just said, but uh really awesome that Scott Fish uh, you know, brings this this dynasty community and the fantasy community together. Uh, you know, to to support the greater good and to help kids out in a time of need, man, it's so so rewarding when uh, when he uh, he'll post the the pictures of you know of, of the carts full for the kids, and man, just knowing that you had even a little part in it uh, really just just makes makes everything uh, everything we do in the community it just kind of makes you makes it feel like it's worth it, you know. So um, always always fun and always happy to be a part of it. So um, uh, again, really fortunate that uh, that I got that invite again this year. Absolutely. Love getting the Scott Fishbowl. By the way, to answer your question, I cheated. I pulled up my spreadsheet. So I'm old. I, I will cover my team in a second. I turned everything into an actual sheet. So I took Addy's document. I cleaned it up a little bit to where it was more printable, and I didn't go. This this sheet goes clear back to 2000 at every position. I cleaned some of that noise up because I didn't need that much data. I love data, but not that much. Uh, guys, I would be looking for, because the, the Addy sheet, we'll call it the FF statistics sheet, it basically took their 2018 stats and what would that do in this year's scoring format. Christian McCaffrey was the number two scorer overall, only behind Patrick Mahomes. And uh, Gurley actually scored about a point and a half less in this format per game than Christian McCaffrey. So I would definitely be hoping that Christian McCaffrey, uh, McCaffrey slid to me at 103, if not at Zeke. Um, hopefully you'll find out something. He's meeting with Roger Goodell tomorrow or I guess yesterday as this thing drops 
and we'll see what happens with him. But uh, it would be Zeke or McCaffrey. And Jerry, where did you land division and draft spot? I got my first choice. I wanted Master Chief. I got Master Chief. I was a super Halo nerd in high school. I played Halo 2 and Halo 3 like every degenerate teenager that you're imagining right now. You're still a super nerd. Just don't know. Yeah. I mean, I, I play lots of video games. I like shooters. If you play on PlayStation 4 or Xbox, you can find me on Apex Legends at least several times a week. My wife loves every second of it. No, she does not. I am lying to you. But I got the Master Chief Division. I got the sixth pick, and I'm sort of stuck. Like Shane said, it's sort of a rough spot. And I am also in one of these mocks, and I took Travis Kelsey. I wanted to see how it went, and I hate my team. I was telling Randy before we started recording that I just don't love it, so I don't think that's going to be the route I go. For those of you that are in the Master Chief Division and spoiling my draft strategy right now, Travis Kelsey will slip past six. I hate my team so much. So I, I don't really know. I And you know what? I think I like not knowing. I think I'm not going to do another another mock. I'm just going to wing it when the time comes. And if it's crap, it's crap. I took Le'Veon Bell first overall last year in the Ralph Wiggum division. Let me tell you how good that went. It didn't. I crapped my pants, and it was awful. It was a terrible team. You uh, went over like a fart in church. Well, yes. I, I am in the uh, the real sports division. Uh, I'm in the Tony Hawk. I mean, I'm sorry. I'm in the real sports conference, Tony Hawk division, along with Bo Jackson, uh, John Madden. I know I'm missing a couple of other real athletes, and I drew the 111. And drafting right beside me at the 112 is the man himself, Scott Fish. Now, I recently had the good fortune of hearing Scott on the Roto Underworld or underground podcast with Matt Kelly, the pod father, and they were discussing and come to find out Mr. Fish is a big George Kittle fan, owns George Kittle in every single league that he's in, except for Scott Fishbowl 9, because if he's there, probably going to take him, try to rattle some cages, and uh, have some fun. I might not be back for Scott Fishbowl 10, but these are the uh, the things that you take, but no, I, I don't know that for sure. It's going to come down to, to who's there. Um, actually wide receivers do really, really well in this scoring format. So I haven't made a firm commitment, but I'm really excited to be in a league with guys like, uh, Scott fish. So again, if you didn't get in, first of all, Jerry, what's the first rule of this podcast? Don't be a dick. Don't be a dick. All right. Well, there's a lot of them. We can talk about Andy Dalton and his. We're, never mind. Never we're, mind. We're, we're, we're heading in that direction. But the reason why I bring that up is there are people legitimately, blowing Scott Fish up because they didn't get in. This is not about you or your social media status about whether or not you get in. First of all, if you didn't apply to get in, shame on you. Second of all, only so many people can get in. And Scott's doing his level best. His level 12, best. 12,000 people. 1,200. You, you, you got the comma in the wrong No, 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 no. I got the comma right. 12,000 yeah. applied to get in. Yeah. Like, of course, there's going to be people that don't. So don't be a dick. Rule, rule number one in life, don't be a dick. So a big shout out to Scott Fish. We did not want to make this a Scott Fish podcast, but we did want to take a minute to shout the man out. And you know what? If you got a couple extra bucks, maybe you can have a $1 McDonald's coffee for, for the month of July. And you can you know save your Starbucks you know coins and, and push those fantasycares.net way. 
you know, that'd be a great way. Jerry and I have a Patreon, and we're going to donate all of our July proceeds to fantasycares.net. It's, it's just the right thing to do. It's helping kids. And, you know, there, there's never a bad time to help when you can anybody, much less kids. But let's get into the AFC North. I'm going to start with James, because I don't think there's a hotter team in the NFL than the Cleveland Browns. Any Cleveland Brown right now in Dynasty, I'm giving them the Browns bump. Because they, 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 you know, it's a, what's that show? Um, oh, the Zoolander, so hot right now. I should have made it the drop for so hot, <laughs> for so hot right now. So James, what's the biggest position battle that you're going to be watching as uh, training camp starts here in about three or so weeks? Yeah, you know, it's really interesting too because this this team traditionally is not set. Um, there's a lot of position battles normally going on, and that that happens when you're not a very talented team. Um, you know, it, it, it's tough to decide who's going to start. So uh, it's pretty easy to go, hey, whoever's playing best in the preseason and in training camp is is going to get that playing time. But but this year, it seems like there's less position battles, especially at the fantasy positions. But one that I'm keeping an eye on uh, closely is the battle for the wide receiver three position. I think a lot of people would think Antonio Callaway is is kind of the the clear uh, the the clear guy who's who's probably you know uh, the, the runner up for for that uh, for that spot probably the clear favorite to get that spot and he was used last year um, he does come with some off the field stuff but but you know for the most part that was all kind of put to bed last year he did uh, he did keep his nose clean and he he showed some flashes however Rashad Higgins is a guy who is just a steady consistent type of contributor um, he's almost reminds he almost reminds me a little bit of a poor man Sterling Shepard um, he just gets the job done he just seems to always find um, you know, openings in zone coverage. He's a smart football player. So I think the wide receiver three position is going to be an interesting battle going on through camp and really interesting in the preseason to see how they use these guys and to see how these guys contribute because I think uh, I think there's going to be a, a battle for that position. One of those guys could be fantasy relevant. No, I especially in offense, um, Todd Monken is the new offensive coordinator there in, in Cleveland, and they had a pretty good run in – Tampa Bay last year. I mean, Adam Humphreys, I think he finished as the PPR wide receiver 27, just one spot ahead of Corey Davis, actually, and went on to get paid in the offseason. But he show, he's shown last year that he can make a third wide receiver fantasy relevant in an offense. Um, what, what's the most important thing for success for the Browns in 2019? Well, I think the biggest question mark is their offensive line. Um, they did get rid of some top top two your offensive line, uh, you know, players uh, through via trade. Um, they lost, obviously, Joe Thomas, and, they, you know, replacing someone like that takes a few years uh, to do that. But they also traded um, traded Kevin Zeitzer to the Giants uh, for Olivier Vernon in that deal. So um, they're missing some some key, key pieces on that offensive line. They're expecting some guys, some younger guys to step in and step up and to fill those roles. And the offensive line is going to be key. Um, you know, Baker Mayfield's going to need time to throw the ball. Um, he's still a younger quarterback, so he's still going to have to go through his reads. He might not be reading defenses, uh, you know, at, at a, uh, a veteran level quite yet uh, pre-snap. So I think he's going to need some time in the pocket. And this game, uh, this team is going to rely heavily on the run. I still believe that. And so Nick Chubb is going to be heavily involved. The offensive line is going to have to um, create some, some holes for Nick Chubb to, to run through. Um, and, and, you know, that's going to fall back on them. Now, the good news is, is that um, you have a very good offensive line uh, mind there as a head coach. Um, so, 
that that's that's the good news um, because Kitchens is is a guy who can uh, who's who's very smart. Uh, he knows the offensive line that uh, very well, and he, and he knows how to uh, how to communicate with the offensive line and how to get the best out of them. So that is the good thing. But if you're lacking in talent, um, you know it, it doesn't really matter the the coaching that you have. You, you know those holes are going to show themselves against better teams. I think that's going to be the key. Can the Cleveland Browns? Uh, be good enough up front to give time to, you know, in the passing game and to open up holes in the running game um, because the talent seems like it's there. It seems like it's finally in place for Cleveland to to take that next step and to be a winning, winning team. And uh, dare I say a playoff team. So I think all the, uh, all the pressure kind of goes on that offensive line because I think we've seen several times what a bad offensive line can do. Uh, go ask Minnesota uh, with Kirk Cousins. Those, those Vikings uh, definitely struggle to block people. So um, I think I think that can derail an offense pretty quickly. So that's going to be key for me. That's something I'm going to be keeping an eye on uh, for Cleveland in the off se- or in the uh, um, training camp and in the preseason. All right, so let's get back to fantasy and dynasty for a second. So who do you see taking a step forward for fantasy, and then who takes a step back on this roster? Yeah, for me, a step forward is Nick Chubb. And I think uh, Nick Chubb last year kind of came in um, – Came in, uh, you know, with Carlos Hyde being dealt, and uh, he he kind of took over halfway through the season, a little bit less than halfway, and he showed some flashes. He showed that he can be a, a workhorse caliber back. He showed the explosiveness that he showed uh, before his injury at Georgia, and you know, I, I think we were all encouraged with what we saw from Nick Chubb. But now, I think it's the time to take a step forward, another step forward. The uh, the, the passing game is supposed to be even better. The addition of Odell Beckham, second year for Baker Mayfield in the system, uh, you know, they're, they're supposed to take a step forward. Well, if that's the case, then Nick Chubb should have some some very nice running lanes. He really should. He should uh, be able to contribute. He's not going to face a lot of stack boxes. Um, and he can catch the ball out of the backfield, even though Duke Johnson is a guy who they play a lot in, you know, in third down roles. Nick Chubb can still catch the ball out of the backfield. Field. So he still adds that element too. I expect him to take a step forward, show a little bit more in the passing game, um, and even uh, you know take more carries on um, throughout the course of the season. So uh, that's a guy that if he stays healthy, I really feel like he takes a step forward. And we start mentioning him in that upper echelon running backs. I think he could be that good uh, in fantasy, especially in this offense. All right, and then uh, who, who is uh, who are you actively uh, looking to sell on this roster? from your dynasty squads if anybody i know you're a fan so it might be hard to say you're selling a brown but who are you looking to sell well i i think a guy who's going to take a step back is jarvis landry uh for sure um you know he's a guy that i could definitely see um him struggling a little bit um just just because uh you know he he uh last year was considered the number one wide receiver he got a whole lot of targets i don't know if those targets are going to be there with beckham now um so i could see him taking a step back um Honestly, I don't know that you're going to get a whole lot for him at this point, so it's probably not a guy that I would sell. Um, but there are a few guys that I would be buying and selling uh, on this Browns team, however, um, that wouldn't wouldn't be Jarvis Landry. Well, you you kind of said it for me. Who, who are you actively buying? I know there, there's a lot of uh, – we again, we jokingly called it the Browns bump. Every, everybody in the, uh, the Cleveland Browns orange and brown uniforms is getting a little bit of extra uh, – a little extra something in their dynasty paycheck. So who are you looking to purchase at their current ADP or price? 
Yeah, the one guy that currently isn't getting that bump and is getting a little bit of uh, of of you know um, being met with a little bit of uh, repetition is is David Njoku, and I like I like David Njoku a lot for multiple reasons. First of all, he's still going to be a key part of this offense. He's he's the only one that can stretch the seam there. He's still going to be a matchup nightmare for linebackers. But the second thing that I the, the reason why I really like David Njoku um, this year um, is because of his his price uh, right now his ADP. Um, according to June ADP on DLF or DynastyLeagueFootball.com, it's at 110. Um, so he could be had pretty late for a tight end that can break out. Still, still a young tight end. Uh, again, traditionally we see these young tight ends take a couple years to break out. Uh, I think David Njoku is on the right track for doing that. I think this is the year that you can see him take a step forward, and you can see, you know, maybe some of that that raw athleticism kind of translate into onto the field really the main knock on him is he has to learn how to block better but you know what i think the entire offensive line is going to have to be uh, gelling and cohesive as a unit and so i think david njoku can fit really well into that role um he knows that he's got to do that he's you know commented several times here in the offseason on what he has to work on and that's the first thing he mentions so um I believe in David Njoku fixing that and so that's why that's a guy that i would be actively pursuing and um yeah, and, and and I really uh, really feel like he could be had for a reasonable price. And so you, you kind of took my next question. You're you're good at this. You can tell you host a podcast here or there. Um, I was going to ask you who's the biggest value, but it sounds like Njoku, based on the DLF ADP, is the guy. So I'm going to ask you one last question, then I'm going to bounce it around to Jerry and Shane for uh, any any comments or questions about these Browns. Uh, what's the what's the record for the 2019 Cleveland Browns? Well, I tell you what, I'm I'm being a little bit more optimistic than I have been in the past with Cleveland. Um, so I'm going to say that their record, they are going to finish 10 and 6. And I think that would be a, a monumental step forward from where they were at. I think the talent is there. Um, my, my main concern is the coaching and the offensive line. Uh, those are two things that uh, I'm, I'm going to be looking really closely at in the offseason um, and, you know, uh, going into uh, training camp and also – uh, into the preseason. I want to see how the coaching uh, deals with uh, some of the character issues on this team in the locker room. There's some colorful players on this squad. Um, so I, I, I want to see that. And I also want to see how that offensive line holds up. So uh, to me, 10 and six, I think would be a, a major success. Um, I, I would, I almost went nine and seven. I'm right on that fence, but I went 10 and six only because I could see this team being a playoff team at 10 and six. So um that's that's my answer for that, and we'll see. I'll, I'll be keeping my fingers crossed that I'm right. All right. Well, I, I want to brag a little bit because that's you know what we always do where we're right and wrong here. Uh, last year on the Aussie guys, my bold prediction uh, when we were talking about the Browns, I predicted last year that they would finish 500, and they actually finished, I think it was 8-7-1. and one. So I, I felt really good about myself with that. I don't really have any questions. I can actually say I actually bought Landry in a dynasty league half point PPR league I traded Royce Freeman straight up for Jarvis Landry. I think I still believe I I, think, I still believe that Baker will put the ball on the guy who's open and not funnel targets to one guy. Um, I really like this roster. I think it's going to be interesting. I think the biggest hiccup or headache this team's going to have is how does a rookie head coach who's never head coached at any level, high school, college or pro not only how is he going to you know learn on the fly, but how is he going to learn on the fly with to you your point a very uh, colorful group of characters. So I'm gonna kick it over to your uh, Pittsburgh Steeler rival Shane. Shane, what questions or comments do you have for the Browns or for James? Yeah, I you know I'm um, 
I, I'm I'm definitely not as optimistic. Maybe I'm just a, being a typical Steelers fan, I guess. But man, since the Browns have come back, uh, I don't think there is a player. James, maybe maybe you can correct me, but I don't think there's a player that's had two great fantasy seasons um, on their team ever. And and so I think it scares me to say, boom, this is this is top five offense material. And I think James hit it on the head. You know that offensive line scares me. That and 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 uh, the same thing with with you with with the coaching like i think i think all their coaching hires were great i think they're doing everything right um but I, i'm really in redraft i don't think i'm buying the browns much uh dynasty nick chubb's probably the only guy that i'm really high on i'm 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 a lot more frightened for just them as a franchise um i hope they win uh because i i think it'd be awesome as a steelers fan to have two great teams uh battle it out and i I think Browns fans deserve it. They're a great, great bunch and deserve some victories. But man, I mean, a second-year quarterback. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm still scared about Baker Mayfield. I still am not convinced that he's the second coming in the top five quarterback in the NFL. You know, so I, I'm, I'm a lot more cautious. I think so. I don't know, James. Do does that play into how you view this team at all? You know, not even as a fan, maybe from a fantasy perspective of kind of that historical um, inconsistency. Yeah, absolutely. It does. Um, you know, it's it's tough as a fan to separate that um, when I'm just kind of analyzing the the players, the talent, the situations, um, because as a fan, I've been burned so many times by this team um, that it's difficult for me not to have that in the back of my mind when I'm doing stuff like this and projections and that sort of thing. But I will say this. Um, I'm interested to hear the rest of these AFC North kind of kind of connotations, because I, I don't and this is just just my thought. I don't think any team outside of Cleveland got better um, in the division. Um, Baltimore, maybe you can argue, um, but adding two rookie wide receivers to me and the losses that they had on defense scare me a little bit. So um, because of that, I, I could see them taking a step forward only because I feel like the talent that has been lost on the other teams um, is pretty significant. So uh, I think that, that played a little bit of a role. I, I do agree with you, though, Shane. I am definitely... Uh, concerned with Baker. Um, he is being over oversold in, in fantasy, especially dynasty. There's absolutely no way I'm taking this guy top five. And that's, that's where he's going. Um, you know, after, you know, a, a, a good rookie year, but not, not a great one. So no, I, I agree. There are definitely some questions that need to be answered here. Um, and even if they answer most of those questions positively, I still don't think it adds up much to, you know, much more than maybe a game or two uh, better than last year. All right, Jerry, anything for James before we let Shane uh, run through these Steelers? No, I think you hit it right on the the head with that last statement. You know, that's only two wins better than last year. So it's not a huge upgrade, and they added Odell Beckham. They got a second year out of Baker Mayfield. They get Nick Chubb for the whole year. I I think that's fair. I have sort of poo-pooed the Browns, but that's because they're in the same boat as the Lions, and I just don't drink Kool-Aid on historically bad franchises because like James said, they let you down. But I, I think that was fair. I think 10 and six is fair. And I think his statement about them being better, them getting better in the AFC North and the other teams, not so much. I think that was sort of fair too. James, tell me I'm crazy. Tell me the Steelers didn't get worse and why, what you think of the Pittsburgh football Steelers. You know, man, I I am gonna I'm gonna hold my tongue. I'm gonna let Shane go. And uh, I meant to say Shane. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, yeah, I, I want to hear uh, I want to hear Shane. I'm definitely interested in hearing all these divisions, but I am definitely interested in hearing you, Shane. Shane, what do you got for us as far as the Steelers go? 
Yeah, give us that first position battle. What's the position battle you're watching the most? Well, I think I think it, it's pretty obvious, um, fantasy wise, especially that wide receiver too. You know, Antonio Brown's out. Juju Smith Schuster's taking over that number one role. I think everyone seems fairly confident, myself included, that he can do that. But uh, we, we've kind of had for the Steelers had two really good receivers for a long time, whether it be AB and Mike Wallace, and then you know AB and Juju now. Um, so Dante Moncrief has been getting a lot of the publicity. I think us fantasy players are a lot more knowledgeable than the general public and the Steelers beat writers about Dante Moncrief. Okay. So I, I don't, <laughs> I'm not really buying into him. He, he might win it. You know, he might be the number two when they open the season. That doesn't mean he's going to be the number two production wise. Um, so, and then we have James Washington, the second round pick from last year and Deontay Johnson, the third round pick from this year. I think Johnson's more likely to end up in the slot. Number four, he'll probably be number four to open the season. I'm still in the James Washington bandwagon i think he's going to win that job i think he's going to probably equal snaps with moncrief early and take him over we saw some flashes from washington last year with his 16 catches 200 plus yards and touchdown later in the season the team likes him um so you might hear moncrief win the battle uh and where moncrief's going it's worth a shot but i I think washington is now he's falling in drafts, and I think this is a better time to kind of buy him when it was a good time to maybe even sell him before. All right, I, uh, I I'm a believer in Moncrief. I, I really am. I see what I seen what he could do firsthand here in Indianapolis with comp with competent quarterback play. So, and it seems like him and Big Ben are gelling. That doesn't mean that he's a long term answer. But to your point, uh, as a guy, I can get late in redraft on the back end of you know, some drafts just to like stash him. If he hits, he hits. And if he doesn't, you cut him. Um, what's the what's the most important thing for this team for fantasy success in 2019? And I'm I'm same thing with James the Browns. It's the offensive line. I think as fantasy players, sometimes we poo-poo uh, the offensive line and talking about offensive lines getting better. I think it's an important thing to talk about for fantasy. I look at a team like the Atlanta Falcons drafted two big, athletic, run-blocking offensive linemen. That upgrades them fantasy for me. You know, and I think the Steelers now with a new right tackle, Matt Feeler is going to step in in a full-time role. Um, Ramon Foster's getting old. Marquis. Pouncey's getting older. Uh, if if they have, if the Steelers have a great O line like they had last year, if if it if it sticks and happens, um, then they will have a elite offensive production. I don't think the loss of Le'Veon Bell didn't have him last year anyway, and Antonio Brown is going to affect that. I think the offensive line will affect that even more. We saw late in the regular season the offensive line breakdown and the offense breakdown. Uh, I think that was a big reason for it. So if if that offensive line is successful. Uh, I think the Steelers are going to produce, again, a number of great fantasy players. Awesome. So who do you see taking a step forward for fantasy? I don't know if Juju can. And who takes a step back? I'm going to talk running backs because I think they both kind of fall in here. I I think Jalen Samuels is going to take the step forward. I know today uh, James Conner was asked the question, well, what's your role going to be on the team? I think it'll be the same as last year. And I think it will be. What James Conner's injury did for Pittsburgh is show them, oh, crap, 
we need to keep him fresh and we need to have options. I think the drafting of Benny Snell in the fourth round, and I'm not a Benny Snell fan, but there's a big reason for that was James Conner went down and they realized uh, we don't really have a run game. Uh, Jalen Samuels came through in those spots, even though he's not built to be the guy, right? You look at that New England Patriots game, you had over 120 uh, total yards. I think they saw, okay, here is how we can keep James Conner fresh, a guy that's beaten cancer, it's had multiple injuries in college, and now the NFL got to keep him fresh. You can't uh, have him have that workload. So I think we see Samuels get in the backfield, catch passes, uh, be productive in PPR leagues. I think he's a guy that you can take and can get some flex production out of in some games. So I think James Conner takes a step back just because he doesn't have that volume. Not that he shouldn't be going as high as he is, but uh, now redraft, he's starting to go late first round. I think that's a little crazy. Um, yeah, if you have the offensive line, you have the offensive production, he'll do well. But I think we're going to see more Samuels. I think if Conner does get hurt, you'll see Benny Snell. Um, and so I, I kind of think the running back is going to be a little more running back by committee than Pittsburgh has done in the past. Um, and and that, that could be something taken into consideration love it and so who so from a dynasty perspective because i know you you play a ton of redraft and dynasty who are you actively pursuing on this team and who are you actively selling on this team i i think dynasty wise i'll i'll take samuels um i'll take james washington i'll take those younger guys from uh these path from the 2018 draft that i think will stick around for a while have some production um, and, and I'm, I'm down for, for Deontay Johnson as well. I, I think he's a player just still blowing my mind. I mean, I'm in a, still have a couple rookie drafts left. He's still going in the third round of these things. You get him basically for nothing. Uh, and they, they drafted him awfully high for him not to produce something. So I like those guys. I, I, I think I'm, I'm selling James Connor and I think he's going to be fine. I think he can continue that production from last year. But he didn't have a thousand yards. I think maybe his production was talked up more because he had a couple big games early, the Le'Veon Bell situation. Uh, I think he was talked up more than his production showed. So I'd sell him. If he gets hurt again, let, let's say midseason, James Conner gets hurt. He's out for the rest of the year. He becomes replaceable. Now the Steelers are looking in 2020 at a great running back class to take a guy in the second round to replace James Conner. And, and so for dynasty, I'd rather sell him now at his absolute peak, you know, and uh, maybe he'll produce like this for a year or two again, but uh, I don't think it's ever going to get higher than it is right now. And to me, that's, that's a sell, even if the guy's great and going to produce. All right. And then uh, who's your biggest value, either at like a, an ADP or a trade calculator type target? Who, uh, who do you think you'll have have gotten some equity in this time next year. Maybe you get him for like one price now, and then you'll be making money this time next year. I, I think that wide receiver two position is, is where the value is. Like you said, you're kind of getting these guys cheap. I'll, I'll, I'll take Dante Moncrief. I've um, drafted him in a couple of leagues where, you know, the rookie free agent draft super late. Uh, I'll take James Washington if, if that, if kind of his value's gone down, people are getting scared away because of Moncrief. And, and, and I'll take Deontay Johnson. I have some teams where I have all three of them. One of them is going to be a great fantasy producer. I don't really care which one it is. If I get a wide receiver two or wide receiver three, uh, it's worth the three roster spots to figure that out. So I think cheaply you can get those three guys and do well. Um, 
Jalen Samuels and Vance McDonald, I think their price is going up. You, know, you look at, you know, trade calculator, that type of thing. I've actually traded Vance McDonald a little bit for some future picks, but uh, they're still worthwhile if the buzz isn't too big. I think they're players that will do well. I think McDonald is going to have a good year if he stays healthy. He has that issue too um, because you don't have the wide receiver too. So he's intriguing, but his price is going up too. All right. So uh, last question for you. What is the record for these Steelers? Look, I, I think the Steelers are going to win the AFC North, and, and I don't always say that, uh, but I think 11-5, and five, you know, so so maybe one, one game better than the Browns, uh, what James had. And I think a lot of it is improvement in two areas. The defense has definitely improved. Devin Bush is going to be a huge factor in the middle of that team, something that was desperately needed last year. The losses last year, especially the close losses or the losses to really crappy teams, was because there was no one that could cover a tight end over the middle. That's what Devin Bush is going to do. I think the secondary has drastically improved. Steven Nelson's not great, but he's much better than Artie Burns was. Justin Lane, drafting him in the third round, I think he's going to get some playing time as the cornerback four. And now you actually have a little bit of depth there. Terrell Edmonds is coming around. They have some depth at safety. I think the Steelers' defense has gotten a lot better. And I, I think with, with less drama is the second piece. You don't have the AB stuff. You don't have the Le'Veon Bell stuff. Um, I, I think it's done. And so I think the offense will be more efficient, and maybe not as effective. And I think that's enough to get 11 wins. You will definitely have less drama. I think that is an understatement. And the, the news you will get will be Juju and all his wonderful shenanigans and not awful shenanigans of AB and Le'Veon. And I don't have much to add. I will just say this. I agree. Uh, Spoiler alert. I also think Pittsburgh wins this division because the media, the national media, and Twitter is winning this division for Pittsburgh. They're giving them all all the bulletin board material. If I'm coaching the Steelers, I'm clipping headlines. I'm putting them all over that that training camp locker room. Look at that. You guys are be lucky to finish second. Cleveland's better than you. This is a team that's had a lot of success. Veterans like Big Ben, um, Dave DeCastro, one of the offensive linemen. I could go around the horn. Uh, I I think that the national media and fans are winning this division for the Steelers. They're going to come out with something to prove after, uh, to Jerry's point, the shenanigans and the BS of 2018. And I think you're going to see a focused, a fired up. And in redraft, I don't know that I'm buying him at his cost in Dynasty. Uh, I want Big Ben. In, uh, in redraft this year, especially in a, in a one QB because you can get him late ADP. He's going to have something to prove. You know, AB made me. I don't think so. I think Big Ben's going to come out slanging it. I think he's going to put up a ton of fantasy points this year, and I love Big Ben. But uh, I want to throw it to James. James, questions and comments for Shane, and then uh, we'll let Jerry go into the Ravens. Yeah, Shane, I think you did fantastic kind of outlining this team, their strengths and weaknesses. Um, The one question I do have for you, I know that you went into this early, um, the biggest position battle for the Steelers. Um, Who is your front runner for that wide receiver two position, and how do you see it working out? Uh, For instance, if James Washington is that that front runner – you know, when they do three wide sets, does he kick inside? How how do you how do you feel? I mean, if you had to to kind of speculate right now, how do you feel that that works out? And who do you think ends up being that value pick? 
It's a really good question. I I think Dante Moncrief is going to quote unquote win the position. I think he'll be the wide receiver too in kind of name. I think James Washington will play on the outside in three receiver sets. So I, I think that's going to be where Washington kind of excels, right? When where let's be honest, the Steelers are going to run out three receivers most of the time. So I think the snap counts are going to be pretty close. And if Washington is more effective outside in those three receiver sets, we've seen it happen before with Pittsburgh when they're trying to find that third receiver, fourth receiver. Uh, I mean, you know, Juju Smith did it as Schuster did it. Uh, I think Washington will start to tick up. And I think by midseason he'll, he'll be playing almost every down. Um, so I think he's going to stay on the outside. I think they're going to use him as kind of the deep threat, you know, the, the, the Mike Wallace esque, um, get him down the field, shoot for that big play. Big Ben likes to run someone on that nine route uh, to take the top off the defense, keep them honest, especially if they've been running a lot. Um, so I think Moncrief kicks out to number three. Johnson probably is the number four to start. Um, and, uh, you know, so I, I, I still kind of buy James Washington uh, maybe starting slow, but getting that, um, get, you know, getting that built up. Um, so it's, it's tough, but like I said, they're all pretty cheap right now, especially in redraft. You could draft all three of these guys and you're going to have someone that's probably going to be a top 20 fantasy receiver in there somewhere. I love it. So Jerry, uh, tell us about the 2019 Baltimore Ravens, what's the biggest position battle you're looking for from a dynasty or redraft standpoint? So I am going to piggyback off of what James and Shane said, and I'm going the wide receiver position. So we've we've sort of hit a tier. You know, we already did the two sexy teams of the division. We got stuck with the not so sexy teams in the division. And this wide receiver core in 2018 was a barren wasteland. There were tumbleweeds rolling across the desert, and that's what you got to enjoy on your fantasy teams. This year, they went out. They got Hollywood Brown from Oklahoma in the first round. They took Miles Boykin in the third round. Willie Sneed is there. Chris Moore is there. We'll see if Jaleel Scott is going to be back from his injury and if he's relevant. Um, I just want to see how that shakes out. We know Hollywood's going to be involved. I want to see if Miles Boykin's involved or if Willie Sneed and you know the corpse that is Willie Sneed stays relevant or if he falls off the wagon. Um, you know, that that that's what I'm curious to see. And the other question is, is it going to matter? You know, it, you know, we, we talk about what what's important for fantasy success with the Ravens. It's Lamar Jackson. Can Lamar Jackson make it so pass catchers in this offense are fantasy relevant? You know, we saw last year where he he threw two touchdowns in one game. You know, he, he threw for over 200 yards once, and I think it was like 204 yards or something like that, right right around the, the threshold of 200 yards. You know, is he going to be able to get it to those guys, or is this just going to be the, the Lamar Jackson show? Is he just going to be running for 100 yards and throwing for 150, and that's what we call? I mean, it's just that, that, that's the question that I need to see. I need to see if this offense evolves. All right, that's that's completely fair. So who do you see taking a step forward and who takes a step back from either a dynasty or redraft perspective? I am actually going to say Lamar Jackson is going to take a step forward, and it's because of the new pieces he got. You know, Hollywood Brown is a guy that just throw it. He's a lightning receiver. He's we're talking a relative of Antonio Brown. He's a good route runner and he can he can burn you. It, and that's what you want to see. And he, if it gets to a scramble drill, 
you know, and he just launches the ball to him, he should be able to make a few of those plays in the year where he just rips the roof off. And that's what I want to see. And I think Lamar Jackson will be smarter with running the ball. I don't, I think he's going to be able to pass more with the threat of the defense, having to look at someone like Hollywood Brown and potentially miles Boykin, who's another burner big body that can catch those jump balls. So, and, and justice Hill, I think can take a step forward. Mark Ingram's the guy they signed Mark Ingram. He's there at least this year and next year, they have an out going into 2021. But if justice Hill comes in and he's very productive, I could easily see him taking the lead spot by, near the end of the season, maybe going into 2020. So I, I think Justice Hill could be a a big boom for those that acquire him now. I think his value will shoot up. As far as who's taking a step back, uh, like I said, Mark Ingram. I mean, I walked myself right into that. And then Willie Sneed. I just, I have never been a Willie Sneed guy. It seems like he's always, he's been getting hype since like 2014. And I just, never my guy. I, I don't love him. So I, I would sort of like to see the young guys. You know, this is not a team that's going to win the Super Bowl. So let's see the Lamar Jacksons, the Hollywood Browns, the Justice Hills. Let's see the young core that you have, and let's see if you actually have something to build on. And that's what I want to see. I want to see those young wide receivers, those young running backs, and not these these middle-of-the-road guys. All right, so who are you actively pursuing for your dynasty roster, and who are you actively looking to sell? from them their dynasty rosters all right as far as selling goes i just talked about mark ingram and for all the reasons i just ranted about i am sticking with mark ingram the other one is hayden hurst mark andrews is not getting hurt mark andrews is not 134 years old coming into the draft like hayden hurst was sorry dude you're you got your chance it's a it's a cruel game the nfl but if you're not able to play you're not going to get the chance and your opportunity is going to slip by. And unfortunately for this dude, I'm not going to say it's slipped by yet, but it's getting there. He's on thin ice. So I, I don't have any Hayden Hurst, but if you did, I don't know what you're getting for him, but if you can, for the love of all that is good, I'm trying to get it. Uh, and as far as buying people, the guys I mentioned also, you know, Hollywood, Hollywood is, he's going in the second round, the top end of the second round for some people. This was the first wide receiver taken off the board. I know Lamar Jackson is not the best passer in the world, but this is a supremely talented guy with a good family history. And he has played with quarterbacks that can scramble and just launch the ball. I know he played with Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray, and they're on a different level of passing than Lamar Jackson. I'm not high as giraffe nuts and thinking that he's even in their level. He's not, but he is, able to help a mobile quarterback and i think he will uh justice hill mark andrews who i stated earlier if let's say lamar jackson does struggle he can't get the ball to those wide receivers he's gonna want a safety valve and that safety valve for poor uh, poor quarterbacks has always been a tight end you don't have to throw it very far you throw it 12 yards you go scrambling to the to the edge you don't get the edge you can just dump it off to your tight end get a first down and I think Mark Andrews can be that guy. And I am by, and he's cheap. I, he's getting a little bit of hype within the last few weeks. Still pretty cheap. And you can get that man. And I would love to get him everywhere. All right. Last question. What is the record of these Ravens in 2019? I'm going to say nine and seven. They were 10 and six last year. 
And like James said earlier, that defense got worse. They lost Eric Weddle. They lost CJ Mosley. Terrell Suggs is it. He's gone. You know, the offense should be better with Ingram and the wide receivers they drafted. But that team has been based on the defense. John Harbaugh has been a defensive guy. And I don't know if getting better on offense with Lamar Jackson is going to outdo how that defense has gotten worse. So I'm going to say they get a little bit worse. And that that might be, you know, a little too optimistic, honestly. I'm just, I'm sort of banking that Lamar Jackson gets better to get them to nine and seven. But I could easily see this team going seven and nine because the Browns are better. You know, the Bengals, you know, maybe maybe they can turn it around. Maybe Joe Mixon and A.J. Green can beat him a few times. Pittsburgh should beat him a few times. It's a tough team. I'm going nine and seven, and that's being a nice guy. All right, I'll start with James. Anything to uh, comment or question, Jerry, about these Ravens? You know, it's interesting. Um, I, I really liked uh, everything that he said as well. I, I love the uh, the Hayden Hurst selling um, point. I, I, I feel like sometimes it's really difficult when we draft these guys and they just prove that they're not going to be what we thought they were going to be. Um, when we spend a higher rookie pick on guys like that, I know he's a tight end, but in tight end premiums, Hayden Hurst was going as one of the top tight ends, if not the top tight end off the board. So um, it's tough to sometimes let go of that for a whole lot less than what you paid for him. Um, but I, I like that. I think Mark Andrews is definitely uh, is definitely it. Um, it'll be interesting to see if the Ravens can hit that 9-7 and seven mark. I know traditionally they're a winning team and they find ways to win close games. Um, but it'll be interesting this year. Uh, I think a lot depends on Lamar Jackson, which uh, I think uh, – I think you know, uh, Randy really said, so I don't really have any questions. I, I like everything that, uh, that you said there, uh, Jerry, I, th- I think you, uh, you really nailed that. All right, Shane, anything about the, uh, the Ravens? Hey, yeah, I think it's tough to kind of assess who's go- who's going to be uh, fundamentally good from this offense. Um, I'm with you. I think Lamar Jackson is, a QB one and and that's and he might not be good but but he, he might he's going to be a QB one because he's going to run and and as as Jerry mentioned like he can just kind of dump that ball off and get those yards I, I do want to ask Jerry you know you mentioned hey this is a team that's not going to win the Super Bowl you need to go to these young guys these young receivers Justice Hill young running back uh, my question is do you think the Ravens coaching staff believes that right they made the playoffs last year uh i think my big fear is that they think they're a super bowl team and so these young guys maybe even hollywood brown doesn't get the play that they should and they opt for the chris moores and the willie sneeds because they think those guys are going to help them win now and that they could win a super bowl now i think it's a possibility but i also think that the harbaugh's in general think that they can win with whatever situation they have in front of them now I will rain hatred and bullets upon Jim Harbaugh for the rest of my life as a Michigan State fan. But I feel like they're good coaches that think no matter what the situation is, give me my guys and in my system, I will win. So I I, I see where you're coming from. And I I think I agree with you that maybe that's a, a possibility. But at some point, they have to have seen the same things we all do. Like you said with Dante Moncrief, you know, We've seen Dante Moncrief. We know damn well Dante Moncrief's not going to set the world on fire. He might give you a little love. You know, Willie Sneed might get you a 130-yard game, and he might show you a little flash, but he's not going to be that guy that takes you over the top week in and week out. 
All right. Well, I'm not going to sit here and listen to you besmirch the good damn name of Willie Sneed, Ball State alumni like myself. <laughs> and I will say this: I, I will, I will take, I will take Justice Hill. I will take Mark Andrews, and I'm fading the rest. I, I yeah, can't gun, I, I, gun to my head. I don't love any. Of them, I I, I I can't put any stock into a quarterback like Lamar Jackson, who has had exactly zero games where he's completed 15 or more uh, passes. He's, he has yeah, it. Four, 14's yeah, a career high. He's also had a career high of 204 yards. So I, yeah, I, I, we, I we don't need it. We don't need it in fantasy. Though. We don't need that. I, you <laughs> right? know we what? points. He's a little. He's a little too thin for me. Uh, normally they say that you save the best for last. Well, in the case of this podcast, that's a damn lie because one, I'm going, and two, I'm talking about the Bengals. Biggest position battle for me is honestly, who's the wide receiver one? Is it Tyler Boyd or is it A.J. Green? I know that sounds blasphemous to say because A.J. Green's been so awesome for so long, but we've all seen it before. We, we've seen uh, Julio Jones take the baton from Roddy White, and, and we'll see it again. We saw Reggie Wayne take the baton from Marvin Harrison, and I think it might be the time where Tyler Boyd becomes the true wide receiver one there in Cincinnati, especially with A.J. Green's injury history. The most important thing for fantasy success in this team, a lot of people are really nervous about the the rookie left tackle, Jonah Williams, who could be missing the entire year due to uh, shoulder issues. But what actually concerns me is how is new head coach Zach Taylor going to implement some of the concepts of the Sean McVay offense? You know, what, what, what did he learn out there in L.A.? The Rams last year were the uh, eighth heaviest rushing team, and Cincinnati was the 26th heaviest rushing team. Could have been with the fact that they sucked and they were behind a lot, so therefore it's hard to pound the ball when you're behind. Uh, The Rams were the 14th most uh, passing team, and Cincinnati was the 18th, so that 542 completions they had or excuse me, 542 attempts they had last year, I could see that being about the same maybe up a tick. So I, I think that the new offense can only be good. Marvin Lewis and his 18 years of meh offense, you know, they, they had some good years. They had some Chad Ochocinco years. They had some Rudy Johnson years. They had some TJ Haujimazili Hushmanzadi years there in Cincinnati. But I, I think it's time for a change. That's like my my one reason for optimism. Who takes a step forward? I kind of alluded to it earlier. Tyler Boyd. Um, he, he's the guy that I, I think it's time for him to emerge. He's 24 years old. Uh, I think he's still a value, so I'll kind of skip ahead to that question. He's someone that's you know, not getting the love or respect for a guy who had a, a mid-level R, excuse me, wide receiver two season last year. So, um, and, and I think he's poised for more, especially with a progressive, offensive-minded head coach. Who do I take in, uh, see taking a step back? The kind of obvious A.J. Green. I just, you know, foot injuries bother me for any player. Uh, foot injuries are what basically ended the career of a guy like Deion Sanders. I, I know he looks good to go for camp, but if if there was ever a time on a non-contender in Dynasty, and I can't stress that enough, if you're a contender, hold on to A.J. Green. But if you're not a contender, if you're a year away and you can get some of those fabled 2020 picks for A.J. Green or maybe a pick and a, pl- and a, and a player, Now's your time. He's he's going to be in that that magical thirty age, and you he could have and it's quite possible that he could have a top wide receiver season like Jordy Nelson did 
past the age of 30, but he could also fall off the face of the cliff and the planet like Jordy Nelson did uh, this past year. So A.J. Green makes me really nervous on a non-contender. Who am I actively pursuing on this team? Uh, Joe Mixon. And, you know, he's still a round two startup selection. I, I'm really, really excited for what I think he can do in this offense. We saw how Todd Gurley was used in the McVay system. And Joe Mixon put up almost 1,200 yards last year in basically 13 games. He missed about two and a half games with a knee injury, had eight touchdowns, and he was averaging four targets a game. I like the PPR involvement. I think there'll only be more of that. Know the addition of Rodney Anderson and Travion Williams in the draft. That does not bother me. I think Mixon, uh, this is his opportunity. The The loss of Williams, the left tackle, the rookie they drafted, sucks. It, it certainly does. But it's not the end of the world because what you're not hearing about is that the other rookie they drafted in the second round, Drew Sample, pretty darn good blocking uh, tight end. So that will only help Joe Mixon, even though it'd be nice to have uh, Jonah uh, Williams on this one right here. Uh, the biggest value for me and Jerry, I can't help myself, so you can go ahead and boo me now. It's Tyler Eifert. He's practically free. Um, if if you've got a TJ Hawkinson, if you've got a Noah Fant, you know what a big fan of Austin Hooper that I am. If you've got a Chris Herndon, one of these young guys that you're looking to, to maybe take a step and maybe inch up toward that Kelsey Ertz Kittle group. Man, Tyler Eifert, sneaky bridge guy. Um, his injury last year was an ankle injury, and it was kind of a fluky. It was gross, pretty bro- pretty gross. But uh, I, I don't mind Tyler Eifert. He's he's my guy. I guess I just uh, I need the Jerry uh, the Jerry Maguire. I can't quit you, or is that I don't know? It's, it's a movie quote. And then my record. This is going to be the worst team in the, the, the division. I've got the Browns winning nine. I've got the Steelers winning eleven. And I've got the Ravens winning seven. Someone in this division has to suck and can't be around uh, 500. Congratulations, we found them. It's the Cincinnati Bengals. And I think they're going to be drafting number two overall next year in Cincinnati in 2020. Just, uh, I don't want to call it a hot take, but but looking into uh, the future, I see this as the future home of Justin Herbert. And in 2020, we'll have a really interesting offense with Herbert, Mixon, Boyd, uh, John Ross, who I didn't mention very much, but I think John Ross will still be around at that point. And uh, we'll, we'll see some new things from this offense. So I will start with my co-host, Jerry. What did I hit? What did I miss? And what questions do you have? I am i don't have any, Randy. That was, if I could rain on the parade of the Cincinnati Bengals, I would, my friend. And Their, their, their GM oh, beat you to it. So yeah. go, ahead, go ahead and try. <laughs> uh, zing. Uh, I can only hope they pick second overall. I would like to see a new quarterback in there slinging the rock to Tyler Boyd. If there's ever a chance to get off them Andy Dalton shares, you know, Andy Andy Dalton, the uh, the Red Rocket, a.k.a. a dog penis, he's uh, time to move him. Shane, anything for me about these uh, bungles? No, no, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I think they're going to be bad. I think, I think probably the one thing that I disagree with most people on is Joe Mixon, right? Like if, if a team's going to pick number two overall, their running back's probably going to not be a good fantasy player. Let, let's be honest. That's usually what, hey, look at David Johnson last year, right? So I think I think Joe Mixon is talented, um, but if, if they're behind, if they're not winning games, 
he's probably not going to get 1200 yards this year. And I think he's overrated this year. Uh, I, I, you know, I, and another guy that we didn't mention that I, I I've been buying for nothing is Giovanni Bernard just to catch maybe a couple passes if they're down. Um, now Joe Mixon, as you mentioned, Joe Mixon does that really well. Maybe they give him the Todd Gurley treatment and, and he's the guy and everyone else is on the bench could happen, but I, I, I just don't think he's going to be very good if this team is as bad as you say. And I think they're going to be as bad as you say. I do like the Eifert call though. I'll take him. He basically is a receiver that you're playing at the tight end position. If he's healthy for three games, I'll just, you know, start him in a flex and be fine. So, um, yeah, I, I, Joe Mixon's the one guy. I'm like, man, if this team is that bad, they're not going to be – he's not he, – he cannot produce fantasy numbers. He can't be an RB1, and that's where he is. My, my only pushback to that is that he was an RB1 last year, played 13 games on the same craptastic offense, except they had Jeff Driscoll at quarterback. So I, I think that with the Red Rocket back under – under center. I mean, it couldn't be worse, right? I mean, I think 1,200 yards, and I, I think he can only go up in the reception game. So I, I, I'm just hanging my hat on that. Uh, David Johnson last year finished as a, as a RB1 on the worst offense I think I've seen in maybe a decade. So I'm holding out hope. You, you, you could be right, and you might be right. I don't know that he ascends to the top five where a lot of people have him, but I think he's still going to be a solid uh, – RB six to eight overall. James, uh, th- th- this is your team's, I guess, technically rival, in-state rival. Anything? Bungles? Yeah, you know what? I, I've got a question for you. I think you kind of addressed everything that uh, that I kind of wanted to hear. But uh, the question I have for you is this, Randy. Let's say everything goes right for Cincinnati. Let's say we've seen Dalton show flashes in the past of being, you know, maybe a top 10 or 12 fantasy quarterback. He's done it before. Let's say that happens A.J. Green stays healthy, and he has an elite season, and, and Boyd looks really good again, takes a step forward, and Joe Mixon, you know, stays healthy, and he is everything he can be. What is the What do you see as the ceiling for the Cincinnati Bengals? If all goes right, the coaching works out really well, they utilize all these players right. What's, what's the ceiling for this team as far as wins go? What do you think? Nine and seven would, would be my high, and, and if they do win nine games – you, you could see the AFC North being a lot like the AFC South last year. Last year, the Texans end up winning it, and then the Colts and the uh, Tennessee Titans played a Week 17 Sunday night primetime game where the winner got a wild card spot, and, and I could very well see that. This is a division that if Cincinnati does have things go their way, this could be a division where everybody's right in that – six and 10 to 10 and six range. And it would be a lot of fun and very entertaining. And for those of us that live in this region, I'm going to include myself in that because when the Colts are on prime time uh, or on bye week, we get a lot of Bengals and Browns action. So I think we're going to get a lot of entertaining games. I think we're going to get a lot of fantasy relevance out of this division. But but I also want to thank you, uh, that being James and Shane, for joining us. So I'm going to start with James. What do you want the listeners of the Dynasty Warzone to know about what you've got going on and uh, where they can find your show, your co-hosts? Give us everything. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we are recording. Uh, we're kind of, you know, we have a frenzy kind of going on, too. We're recording an awful lot uh, these days. So, yeah, uh, you can find uh myself um john hogue uh at superflex dude on twitter and uh stompy sam lane at uh ff underscore stompy um you can find all of us on the superflex super show we can be uh found on itunes 
um, also on Podbean, Stitcher, pretty much anywhere where you listen to podcasts, and the uh, on DynastyWeekFootball.com as part of the DLF family of podcasts. You can find us there as well. Um, I am also currently a writer over at DLF on DynastyWeekFootball.com, and you can also find our Superflex rankings over there as well on DynastyWeekFootball.com. So um, a lot of information over there you can always go to to find us out. And uh, Randy, Jerry, thank you guys so much for having me on. I really appreciate the opportunity. I love talking football with you guys. Oh man, we just we just love having you you back on. And yeah, the uh, the the super show is definitely in my rotation. And if you're not in a super flex league, man, you got to. And and if you're new to super flex, you got to check out their show because there are some nuances, some uh, some things about the the value of the quarterback position that really change when you get the opportunity to score too. Because uh, I remember last year that even or maybe it was two years ago, a bum like Ryan. Tannehill finished as like QB 21, but he would have been like a top 12 running back with the points that he put up. So uh, Superflex really changes the the nature of fantasy. So if you're not in one, highly recommend James, John, and Stompy. Check him out. And then uh, Shane, what's going on at Fake Pigskin? You probably got a lot going on. Yeah, check out FakePigskin.com. Um, I'm going to be starting up my kind of Devi series looking at some un- very under-the-radar um, college players right now that can make some waves in the 2020 draft I actually have a small school running back, I think could be the next David Johnson. So that's going to be coming out in the next month. You can take a look uh, over there for that and follow me on Twitter at Shane P. Hallam is, uh, is my handle. I'm always down to talk and chat and answer questions. So, but thank you guys for having me on. It's always, always a blast and I'm excited um, Randy to get last place in the two legit league this year. You know, I was, I was, thank you for bringing, I was getting ready to bring that up <laughs> because you, sir, first of all, we, we talk about knowing where your team's at. This is a little, uh, late in the show bonus for those that, that stuck around this long. Shane, it takes rocks the size of Rushmore to be able to go into a rebuild and commit to it. Because we've all got our ego, we've all got our pride, we're all like, you know what, it's like it's like trying to make an ugly apartment look good. Well, if I move a lamp over here and turn the couch this way and maybe put the TV on this wall, it won't look so shitty. No, it still looks shitty. And Shane is committed to this, he knows he's going to do bad in, in 2019, so kudos to you, sir. Takes a lot of, uh, a lot of guts to stick. Well, you got like six firsts and four seconds or something? Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm up to six firsts, four seconds. I, I think James would love my my super flex of uh, Matthew Stafford, Taysom Hill, and Colt McCoy. So I think I think uh, I, you know <laughs> that. I'm not sure how you can go wrong with that group. <laughs> <laughs> Smells like success, Jerry. Anything to uh, add before we take this one in? Shane, I am in a five round depleted Debbie draft right now. So if you wanted to give me a little spoiler on one of those small school guys, I would not be opposed. Sure. So, so my guy is, is, um, his, his name is James Robinson. And, uh, I, I think he's going to be a, a top 100 pick next year in, in the NFL draft. The dude is legit Illinois state, uh, beast. So pick him, pick him in the fifth round. No one will take him. There you uh, go. Well, you know, that is a writer downer, as we say here on the DWZ, and it is written down, my friends. I actually could see Jerry on, on the Hangouts actually physically writing that down. Jeff Robinson, Illinois State, on the way out the door. And thanks to guys like Shane and James, we here at the Dynasty War Zone are just trying to make the world a better place for fantasy football. We will catch you next week. <laughs>